Hey friends, happy Monday, and welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your non-diet dietitian, trainer, and host Katie, and this is episode 254. Now today I'm actually recording this live from my hotel room again in London, different time, and today's guest will truly appreciate today's little nugget of history for you. It is actually the Queen's Jubilee this weekend here in London, meaning she's been a queen for 70 years. So there's all sorts of events and people celebrating. There was a parade yesterday and it's been really fun for me to be in studios and just kind of experiencing that culture and how the people hear. And so if you can't hear, there are sirens. It's very loud outside. So bear with me there. But today's guest, you're going to love her. Barb Burdowski, she is my dear friend and mentor in the fitness industry, and we really just have a candid, open conversation. Barb is actually currently, we work together at Beachbody, but she's currently the chief of staff for Workout. Workout is an online training platform that's created a really robust marketplace for both trainers and clients to experience the best of really everything in the health and wellness space. She has worked tirelessly over the years to find pathways for people in the fitness industry to make a living or at least really a great side hustle. How we met is she was actually formerly the senior director of fitness and global field operations with Beachbody. And she also worked at 24-Hour Fitness for many years. She managed the operations of 20 plus clubs, you know, over 500 instructors. She's an international speaker, master trainer, and really a thought leader in the fitness industry for over 25 years. And what I love about Barb is that she's just, she's real. She's so real. And today I just wanted to hear her wisdom and her perspective of bodies and specifically some challenges in the fitness industry for fitness professionals, because I think it's important for you as a listener to just recognize that even people who study these things, even people who are in certain areas of, of work or profession, they can still be victim to diet culture and body image issues. And so Barb really shares an interesting perspective on her journey personally, but also professionally what she sees out in the field. So I know you're going to enjoy today's episode. As always, if you enjoy this episode, or if you're interested in hearing more specific topics regarding health, fitness, wellness, all these things from a non-diet lens, feel free to leave us a review. You just swipe up wherever you're listening on your phone click five stars or less if that's what you believe. We value all your feedback as well as hit that subscribe button. You'll get alerts every time the episode is live, which is every single Monday. So without further ado, onto the show. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour, a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s all from a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fears. Barb Brodowski, I'm so happy to be talking to you and seeing your face. Welcome to the podcast. I'm coming. Thank you for having me. 
Um, thanks for being here. We're going to start with a little rapid fire because it's, a, it's Friday at the time of this recording. <laughs> so first question, favorite podcast or book right now? Oh my gosh. Uh, my all-time favorite book that I've read in the past month is called It Takes What It Takes. Oh, what's that about? It's a, He's a sports psychologist, motivator, life coach, and he worked with Russell Wilson. And uh, Brian Green from Active Solutions hooked me up with this book. And it's a game changer. It's called It Takes What It Takes. And it's um, Russell, we'll talk about Russell Wilson in there and how he gets neutral thinking, like when things go bad, how to get to Ooh. neutral versus it's good or it's bad, just go neutral. And that way you can keep moving forward. It's, I read a lot of books. It's, it's my favorite book right now. That's, that is so applicable. I literally just sent out an email to our email list about good or bad, neutral thinking. So such that's a good a sign. book. That's maybe. a sign. I'll have to re- read it. Yeah. Okay. Sweeter, sweeter, salty. Depends on the season, but I'm going to go salty today. Salty. Good choice. Coffee or tea? Coffee all day. Duh. And you have fancy coffee cups too. I do. (laughs) Thanks for remembering. They're like, look at this one. I have a coffee cup from like from every state, every nation. I love it. I think I know the answer to this, but yoga or weights? Oh, weights. Yeah. hundred percent. And the best thing that's happened to you this week? Oh my gosh. I'm so blessed beyond measure. Everything's around my grandson or my daughter. My daughter's pregnant right now and she's 37 weeks and she's still pregnant. So yeah, I know we have our babies early. Like I had her a month and a half early. My son a month early. She had her son three weeks early and she hit the three, like she's 37 weeks. We're like, this baby might cook to the end. She's like getting, getting anxious now, huh? The sweetest time, Katie. I have no complaints. Oh, so good. Well, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce the audience. You know, what is your story with food and fitness? How did you become a, a fitness professional? Well, how I became a fitness professional is because I became obsessed with how I looked when I was 17, Six, mm-hmm. 17. I was, this is a true story. I was walking down the hall when I was in high school and Raphael Edwards, I remember his name like it was yesterday. <laughs> it was like, it was like September. We all been gone. We'd all been gone from, you know, for the summer. And he said, uh, hey, Spooner, that's my maiden name. It's about time you put some meat on your bones. Wow. And I think what he was saying was, you know, I probably put some curves on my body. Just probably through puberty, right? Because it was like transitional summer. Um, right. It changed my whole life. That one thing that one guy said to me changed my entire trajectory of my relationship with food, exercise, body dysmorphia, all of it, mm. all the things. Mm-hmm. It's amazing the things that stick out to us. Yeah. So specifics too. Yeah. So, I mean, Jane Fonda was a thing at the time. So I used my mom's Jane Fonda tape and just started working my butt off every day. And then I started teaching fitness classes when I was 17 in high school. I started teaching when I was 17 and I love fitness and I love, I love moving my body, but the relationship I have with how I look has never been healthy. And I'm like, 54. So I mean, mm. you, you don't outgrow it, by the way, you either have to get therapy and work through it like I am, mm-hmm. or you don't heal yourself of that. You really don't. Mm-hmm. It's too much work. It's too heavy. Yeah, heavy for sure. Why else do you think that is just based on your experience? Well, because it's everywhere and we're in a culture in health and wellness that's not healthy. And I talk about that a lot. It's just It's not about health and wellness. It's about how you look sometimes and how you look is not a snapshot of how you actually are on the inside. Mm -hmm. And those of us in the wellness industry owe it to ourselves and to the people who we, you know, we coach, mentor, work with, 
you know, work out with whatever, we owe it to them to start teaching what are the true metrics of health and wellness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's because you can become so obsessive and that's this every year I find myself obsessed with one part of my body. Mm-hmm. So it's compounded by the way, you don't ditch the yeah. thing you did last year, right? You add something new on and until you can get help and, and work through that and find the tactics and the tools to be like, Oh, but look at how awesome this is focus, mm-hmm. like to focus, refocus your attention on something else. And I think, I don't think we do a good enough job in the health and wellness space on the brain, you know, the strongest yeah. muscle in our body. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Long way to the end. <laughs> that's, that's truly how I got started. Yeah. So, so teaching as a young professional and I, I, for those listening, if you don't know, Barb, Barb is like a huge mentor of mine for many reasons, but <laughs> I think I share that same experience where we just fell into fitness and mm-hmm. we really understood and became like everything the power of group fitness has for us, all the positive aspects of it. So how else did your, because now you're in a completely different space, but walk us through like some of the different roles you've had and, and how kind of your experience um, has changed. So not long after I taught fitness all through college, my degrees, actually, I was going to college for history. So I landed in, in fitness because I loved it so much. So um, I started teaching, obviously, at a local gym, then I became a group X manager, and then I became a regional director. So I worked for 24-Hour Fitness for about 18 years, one of the best experiences of my life. So I spent time higher training and developing instructors. And what I love so much about that is I'm such a fan of having that stay-at-home mom who is taking classes. I know it sounds so so silly, but giving her a job where she can have some money in her pocket to go buy a coffee. Mm-hmm. I just, something's empowering about, you know, being a stay home mom, you lose your identity sometimes. So that was always my role at 24 hour fitness is to find the next great instructors, train yeah. them up, have them become instructors. like Jessica, you know, Jessica Owen. Yeah. She was like my front row Joe, like at 24 hour fitness back in the day. And I, I don't her. know if I knew that. Oh, yeah. I'm like, Jessica, you should be an instructor. And the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of people like that in my life. I just, my favorite thing is helping women, especially women. I do it with men too, but especially women become instructors because yeah. it's empowering and it's fun. So after that, I opened up a YMCA, which is an amazing opportunity. If you can ever go to YMCA, you learn how the nonprofit world works. And you learn how to make a penny scream and what you learn at the YMCA, because you yes. do a lot with a little, you do a lot with a, with not much money, but that helps you with your next big gig because you you respect the money. So when I got my next job at Beachbody, that was a billion dollar company. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not spending that much money because mm-hmm. I can do it a lot cheaper. So the skill sets you learn at a nonprofit are really helpful. Everyone's worked nonprofit once in their life. Mm-hmm. Agree. Love. We talk about this. Love the YMCA's too. Yeah, just, just there's a different feel too. It's like it's good work. It's just yeah. good. So um, well, you and I were together at Beachbody. So Beachbody Live. We did amazing work at Beachbody Live. We hired, trained, and developed instructors in U.S., Canada. Shoot, even down in Mexico, in the U.K. We did such great work, and we touched so many lives. And they shut down my department, and then the pandemic hit. And like most people in fitness, you have to find your way in the pandemic and it's so messy, but because I had that, you know, I stayed in contact with all my friends that I met at Beachbody and Danielle Natoni introduced me to my CEO, Curtis Christofferson. And that's how I got my job at workout. Now I'm the chief of staff, but 
It's because of connections and contacts and it's all because of fitness. Mm -hmm. I have goosebumps, just just Ah. all of it, all of it. So we're going to come back to that, but let's go back to kind of your, your body story, right? Yeah. How did that evolve? And what are some of the trends that you saw, not just in parts of, right? Cause you've seen fitness on so mm-hmm. many different levels. Mm-hmm. What are some of the trends that you saw or have seen in groups and in instructors and in kind of like from the bottom up? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So when I first started in fitness, it was all cardio all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. women would spend three to four hours a day on a treadmill, a stairmaster or a recumbent bike just trying to burn calories. So that was a norm for me is learning how to burn calories. It's really calories in calories out. And a good friend of ours, Brian Sweeney taught me about my generation where he called us the Tic Tac generation, where only one calorie Tic Tac, we would count every single calorie we put into our body. So that was the first thing, calorie count, obsessive calorie counting and obsessive training, trying to just burn the calories. Mm -hmm. And you can only maintain that for so long because you really do, especially you get into a new season of your life. You have kids. And you don't have the time for that anymore. So then your body changes mm-hmm. and you have to make these, these wild adjustments. And it wasn't until I started lifting weights. Like it was actually body pump that probably did it first was, mm-hmm. you know, that's for a lot of us women too. like body pump. We actually put some, put some weight in our hands. Like we put, mm-hmm. you know, heavy weights on our shoulders. Like not a five pounder, right? <laughs> <laughs> not a three pounder, five pounder <laughs> frustrated. And there's a place for that. Yeah. If you want to see, you know, if you want to feel stronger and have your, musculoskeletal system be challenged. It's not going to happen with three pound weights. Mm -hmm. You have to put something against your body that makes it go, Hey, 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 like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. I'm going to move you is what I'm going to do. When I started lifting weights and started really understanding this happened, by the way, the weight training, like in my late thirties, early forties, but it wasn't until, um, I met Brian Sweeney when I was gosh, probably 48, where he kind of, kind of shook me and said, you can't, how you're doing this is not right. Like mm. what you're doing is not right. And it's not about calorie restriction anymore. It's really about just becoming strong. And I worry more. I don't worry. I concern myself more now with being strong than anything else. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't even have a scale. And I think I should have a scale sometimes, but I don't even have a scale. I go by how my clothes fit me because it's healthier for me. So when I go to the doctor, mm-hmm. What do you weigh? I just give them a number that I think I weigh. And they don't make me get on the scale. I mean, if I had major mm-hmm. surgery, I'd get on the damn scale. But the scale does something to my brain that's just, because uh, I re- I associate that number with my self-worth. And then mm-hmm. I want to go back to counting calories. Like numbers to me, it's like, you know, the scale and the calories and what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to burn. It yeah, just, we can pull it. We can attach it to so many things. And I think so, yeah. many, so many women listening relate to that. And I always tell them, you know, yeah, if we know how that scale makes us feel, then you don't need any, right. You don't need to see that number to tell you whether or not you're taking care of your body, how it feels. Yeah. And when I started listening to your stuff on your podcast and on your, you have, you have the best social media channel, Katie. Oh, please. (laughs) You do because the nuggets of stuff you put out there in bite-sized pieces. So I don't have to read a long old book. I'm going to get a bite-sized nugget of something. And I really am exploring intuitive eating where before I would not eat until afternoon, I would intermittent intermit fast, not until after 12 o'clock. But then I would have like a salad with chicken on it. And I would have, I mean, I'd be so restrictive. Mm-hmm. And this year, January 1st, I decided I'm going to intuitive eating. If I wake up, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat something. Because I'm so I'm, proud. I'm hungry. 
And um, for lunch, I'm not just going to have a salad. I'll have last night's leftovers. Mm-hmm. And we eat pretty healthy around here anyway. It's not like I'm just, you know, eating like burgers and fries. But I do have burgers and fries. If I wanted them, I would. Mm-hmm. But I'm really look, trying to practice not putting so much focus, thought, or stress on what I eat. I really do mm-hmm. focus on protein because I, I have been a migraine sufferer my entire life. And funny thing, it's, it was partly dehydration partly like sugar swings from carbohydrates mm-hmm. um, and probably hormones too. But now that I have like protein first, it's always protein first. I do. So I know I do so much better now. So I'm trying to eat like what I want to eat in a way that I, that feels good to me. And it's yeah. such a load off. I'm probably more enjoyable as a human, especially to my kids and my husband, you know, that's, it's so, it's so true though. It, we, I think there is a lot of stress around food, especially mm-hmm. coming from our industry, right? It's, it's, very much a lot of these rules ingrained from early on of calories in calories out. What, what else did you see from instructors in terms of like that image? Because I know this is something that I believed and nobody told me this, right. It was just something that I don't even know. I just absorbed of like, okay, in order to be successful, especially in this field, I need to look a certain way. I need to, my muscles need to look a certain way. And and I also have to eat it, right? There was a lot of these like subliminal messages in my brain. So what were some of the things that you saw that's, that were just normalized, I guess? Um, Well, normalized is a certain size for sure. Like you have to be, and I was, I would say like, I slept through the size five and I slept through a size seven. Like I woke up a size eight. I've been a size eight or size 10 most of my life that I can remember. So I was never like that super small instructor and that you, you associate the super small instructor or that super fit instructor with someone who's healthy. And the funny thing is though, it's genetics. And I, I know I make people mad. I'm like, I'm not trying to like take away from what they have, like good on you. But like my hair is genetic. Like my, my family has good hair. So I got good, big hair. My legs, I know are genetic. Like I have, like, I, like, I know my genes. So, so I don't have a small waist, but I have good legs. So, so much is genetic that when we put so much adoration or value on, on someone's body, a lot of, I mean, don't, I'm I'm sure they work hard, but a lot of it's just genetics. Like you're, sometimes you're just born with a gift, like Paulina Portzakova, like she's just born with a gift. So um, I think it's when we try to become something we can't become. Mm-hmm. This is a game changer for me. Oh my gosh, Katie. So way before your time. So there, when step aerobics first came out, the lady who just, who invented it her name was Jen Miller. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knows Jen Miller, but Jen Miller was like the thing, right? It's like, she was, she was strong and she was just, she's badass, man. And, but she was never skinny. She was never like a size zero. Mm-hmm. She's like an eight or a 10. She was just strong. And she just, and she said at one workshop at the idea conference one year, she said, listen, I am going to be the best version of who I am. And she's like, I am like, and she said, St. Bernard, I'm a St. Bernard. I will take that sled and I will pull it up that mountain and I will be the fastest St. Bernard on the planet. She said, if I tried to be a Chihuahua, I would never be happy. Yeah. It It just, the way she told the story, she's like, this is who I am. This is who I was born to be. So I think a lot of us women, me, I did this. I tried to be a different type, a different body type that I could never be. So Mm -hmm. I spent, you know, you know, my teens, my twenties and part of my thirties, just trying to be something I could never really be without starvation, without disrespecting myself in such a way. Mm -hmm. You know, I always think of the two things there. We're going to link to this in the show notes. There's a really awesome YouTube video 
that I use if I'm presenting, but it's, it talks about poodle science, right? And it uses oh. that same dog analogy okay. of like, we wouldn't expect a St. Bernard to be a poodle, right? Like they're yeah, just, yeah. they're different, right? And it's, it is genetics. It's a huge piece of it. Yeah. But another thing that you've always said that stuck in my, sticks in my brain, but I think I can apply it to so many things. is like evening, Katie needs to respect morning, Katie. And talking about really, you know, you always joked about like, go to bed, take care of take yeah. care of yourself. But I really taken that into respect, you know, body respect, respect. and self-care and how, no, we do need to take care of ourselves. So, um, and that comes up from like, when we do our, uh, like our boot camps with the trainers, some trainers will stay up to like three in the morning and, and drink and have fun and they're good for them, like good on them. But right. I'm like, Oh, I'm so respectful of me tomorrow. I don't know where that I, even today, like tonight's a Friday. So it'll be a fun night for me. But last night was a school night. <laughs> yes. Like, like it's still school, school night mentality. Yes. A school night mentality. Like, oh, it's a school night mentality. Like, we don't got the dinner on weeknights hardly. Dude. Yeah. Like, no, we got to be in bed. We got routines. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. But I so much appreciate that it's, it's becoming because people are using wearables now in a way that's helping them understand like their sleep cycles and stuff. And I have like a sleep comfort bed. So it's not the perfect thing, but it does tell me how I slept at night. And I'm so, if you're an overachiever, like I'm so into, I want a good score. Yeah. I, I know how important sleep is now where sleep is 20 years ago. Kid, we never talked about sleep. Mm-hmm. Ten, I, 10 years ago, we never talked about sleep. Mm-hmm. And now sleep is like, you want to, you want to be fit. You got to get sleep first, sleep and water. I mean, those are basic things, sleep and water. Yeah. I think, I think their industry, and I'm curious, just your perspective, your thoughts. I think we're, there's definitely a shift. There mm-hmm. is a shift where we are, we're talking about it. We're acknowledging yeah. it, but I think there's definitely room to grow for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. We're still, we're still quite messy. <laughs> we're <laughs> quite still messy quite is messy. a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. But I think we're getting better, you know, and my, as my generation retires out, because my generation is part of the problem. Honestly, you know, we're for that tic-tac generation. It's, we have these mental, these mental things that the younger generation doesn't have. And like my daughter, she's, um, so I'm like, I'm, I'm built like a boy. I'm, it's, what am I, um, mesomorph? Like I'm just built like a boy. I'm straight up and down. I don't have hips. I don't have a butt. I just, I'm just like a boy. And my daughter is like Kim Kardashian. Like she has like, you know, she's hourglass figured and she loves her body loves her, but like she loves her curves and I'm just forever grateful. I didn't screw her up forever grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, there's a shift in mentality of what, you know, true beauty is she's fit. She works out, but she doesn't try to be what she can't be. She's like, this is my body and I'm going to be the best I can be. And I think that, that the millennials get a lot, they get a bad rap on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But one thing they, they are doing well is they're changing the paradigm of what what's beautiful because actually they've opened the door that everything is beautiful. Where at, when I was in high school, it was one look, it was the supermodels and you yeah. guys don't really have supermodels nowadays. Like they don't have that. Like I had that, mm-hmm. like that, that thing to aspire to now you have just, there's a whole range of yeah, body types. So much more body diversity yeah. where that's interesting that you're like, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't screw her up. And I think a lot of women listening. So a lot of women end up in my office because they know the struggle that they went through and they want to stop that. Good. They want to, they want to say, I don't want my daughter, my children to experience the same struggle with food and body that I did. And for some of them, I have to applaud them. Like, no, you're doing a yeah. great job. And, and they they can see that my yeah. child has, is very confident. So are there things that looking back that you did or didn't do 
specifically because of how you felt around food or your body? Oh my gosh. Uh, you'd almost have to ask her because I think it's through the grace of God. Honestly, honestly, I really do because I was, I was never healthy, even raising the kids. Like I'd make them dinner and I really wouldn't eat it or mm-hmm. no, I just through the grace of God. Like it's, he's like, we're going to, he, he's God's the one. It's like, I'm going to break the cycle right now. <laughs> yeah. You're not equipped. You're really good at other I things. Got, I got you. Yeah. You're good at other things. Like you do the other things. I'm going to take care of this one for you. Like, yeah. so, but I think I was never, um, I was never restricted with food. Mm-hmm. I was never, and I make cookies for them. I was never restricted with, restricted with myself, probably, but never with them. I was never restricted with them. And I, there was never any bad foods in our house. And there was never, and they would tell you, by the way, I didn't cook, which is not true because they're alive, <laughs> but I was a very simple cook too. Right. Like I was very simple, like mac and cheese and, and a salad. Like I was very simple. Yeah. So, um, but I just think that's God's grace. I really mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about body dysmorphia. You know, from your experience, what does body dysmorphia look like? Where have you seen it shown up in different areas of this industry mm-hmm. for yourself? Um, well, this, uh, gosh, I can tell you from personal experience that whether I weighed 120 pounds, 130, or I'm right now at 150, I'm guessing I look exactly the same to my brain. So if mm-hmm. I was to go, if and I saw a great article one time in a magazine where they, this is the best story, Katie. So they sent, they're at a beach and the editor of the magazine said, Hey, to the girl, go find, bring me back some with your body type. And then they told her spouse or partner, go bring back a girl like your spouse's or your partner's body type. And when they came together, the woman always picked out someone who was larger than she was. And the man always picked out someone that was smaller, same or smaller, or like even hotter. Like this is how we saw her though, man. Like this is what he sees. Mm. And so it's so interesting to me. Like, I think the worst part about the dysmorphia is that how I see myself and how my husband sees me, Mm. like Mm -hmm. I won't even you, I have to like train my brain to accept compliments. I'm like, cause you want to just blow them off. Like, no, like, no, I don't look good in this. Like, no, mm-hmm. like you want to blow it off because you don't allow those thoughts in because you already know in your own brain, you've settled, like it's settled law, how you feel about your body mm-hmm. regardless of what you do. So when it's settled law in your brain, um, letting compliments come in, that's hard. Yeah. And how that's... unfair, how unfair to my husband, you know, like that's not fair. To block it. Yeah. To block him out or the, yeah. the person who is yeah. trying to express to us, right. Maybe their yeah. love language is yeah. compliments or were, you know, words of affirmation. Yeah. That's I, I love that for anybody listening, that perspective shift of maybe that's where you start today. That's a golden mm-hmm. nugget of just, yeah. can I accept a compliment? Can I just accept be okay with somebody seeing me how, how they want to see me? Yeah. And also be fair to yourself. Uh, you know, if, if I, it, without working on this, I would be so, so much harder on myself, you know, like I would be so much harder on how I look, how I feel about myself, but I'm giving myself so much grace now. Like this whole year has been about just giving myself grace, you know, have grace on in how I move because I'm going to be 55. So no, I'm not going to go run like a sub four marathon this year. (laughs) So I tried to compare myself to um, the barb of the past, right? So not that my best days aren't ahead of me, but my best days are ahead of me in the body that I have right now. And I never stop trying to be healthier or start. I never, I, I mean, I work out to move my body for longevity and autonomy, 
Mm-hmm. And that's my future. And remembering that's what's important. When I work out and I look at myself and I'm thinking, oh my God, like my waist or, you know, I'm getting this, like this body fat. I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a good mover. <laughs> I just like, almost like I slept. I'm such a yeah, good mover. I, I was just going to ask, like, how do you, you've come such a long way in your own personal journey. How do you keep yourself grounded, especially working in the industry? Right. And I always, I even myself have to kind of check myself and, and stay grounded of when I hear other people. Right, because we're surrounded in an industry oh by people who also mm-hmm. struggle with mm-hmm. these same struggles. So, how do you keep yourself grounded? How do you smack yourself in the head when, <laughs> when a lot of those rules and things come up? It's to me, it's about quality of movement and longevity and autonomy. Those are my focal points now. Mm-hmm. That's not a scale victory. It's about did I lift weights three to four times this week? Did I do cardio three times? Did I, I, did I, did I check all the boxes to do the best I can do for my body this week? And that's what I always try to do. And I'm not militant about it. I always take at least a day or two off. I, I'm not militant about that. I never really have been, by the way. Like I've, I do have that gene where I'm like, actually, if I work out or I don't work out, I'm not sure if I feel any different mm-hmm. because I always work out. So I don't really know. I don't yeah. know, but I try to give myself so much grace. And the two things I focus on is longevity and autonomy. I want to live a long life. If I wanted to run a marathon, is that what's best for longevity? Probably not right now. That's probably not the best thing for me, but playing pickleball with my dad, oh, on the, that's important for my longevity, my autonomy. Like, so finding these different things mm-hmm. that keep me moving and keep me mentally healthy. And it's not about the size. It's not about my size. It's about how I'm moving. And as my runway is getting shorter, because like I'll be 55. So my runway is getting shorter, right? I don't know when the end is going to happen. So dark. I don't know. <laughs> How did we get here? No, no way. But I, don't, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like let's say I lived at 85, right? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I want to be as healthy as I can be getting into 85. So I'm not, um, I don't want to be a burden on my mm-hmm. family. I want to have a good, healthy life and do, do the things now. I think in the younger generations, if they could focus more on that, that checks all the boxes. Well, I'll tell you right now, you again have influenced my career. And that is, that is something that word has stuck in the forefront of my, of my brain. And I always tell myself, I always tell people when they ask about my career, I'm like, I want longevity in this career. I want to be doing this for a long time because I love this work and I don't want to burn out. And so I, I love that word. And for anybody listening to translate that, like, what does longevity look like to you? What does that mean for you? What, yeah. what, what do you want to feel 10, yeah. 15, 20, 30 years from now? And that's different for everybody, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like define like, and map it out. I think, I think we live our life a little ad hoc mm-hmm. when we're younger, especially like when I was 30, I'm thinking I'll never get like 50. <laughs> I'm invincible. But- yeah. Yeah. But when you get to 50, like, oh my gosh, the years start go flying by and then your runway gets shorter and shorter. So what are you going to do to make sure when you're 70, you're still, I want to travel the world still. I want to go see all the, the historical places and all the castles. I want to do all these things. How can I make sure I'm doing that? So it's a mindset shift, but the earlier you start that, the less wear and tear and dumb things you did to your body, you know, some dumb things that you did thinking it would make a difference, but it doesn't. That's about hydration. It's about mobility. Yeah. Cliff notes. Yeah. Yeah. How how do you feel that our industry praises some of the restrictive behaviors? How can we do better? Um, How they, they call it discipline. Mm, uh. And and it's so funny because 
I've never been that, I mean, I guess I have been disciplined a certain way, but I guess I am disciplined. But it, to me, it's a kind of a negative word because someone who can stay on the treadmill for three hours and someone who gets up at five in the morning to work out and, and does all their meal planning and not that meal planning is bad because I do meal plan on Sundays that makes my life easier. That's mm-hmm. the only reason why I do it. But they call it discipline as a badge of honor. Yeah. Not looking at the, at the sometimes when they're so disciplined, how they're actually abusing is a bad, is a hard word. That's a harsh word, but disrespecting, they're disrespecting their potential seriously, like their enjoyment of life. And mm-hmm. some people who are so disciplined, I have friends that are disciplined. It's like, no, that's how you find life. That's, and that might be true for them, but mm-hmm. in our industry, it's rewarded as uh, it's a badge of honor. You know, you're so disciplined. You can do, you can do the treadmill for three hours. You can restrict your calories and, you know, you stay at a low body fat and probably mm-hmm. her actual size would normally be like a size seven size eight. And, but unfortunately she's down to a size three and she's so disciplined that now she has to maintain that. Mm-hmm. And I just think your body has a set point. Mm-hmm. Your body does. I've been 150 pounds for, I want to say, gosh, Katie, 20 years now, 25 years, probably. Mm-hmm. Remember when I first got there, it was like, Hey, Whoa, that's a big number, but actually I'm stronger. You know, I have more muscle. Like even as I age, I'm still about the same weight, give or take, you know, I've dropped some, I've gained some, but that's like mm-hmm. my set point. And that's where I can eat, drink and be merry, work out and have fun, you know, and try not to worry about all the trying to give it too much thought. Don't obsess about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What what tips would you have for, let's say the the fitness professional or somebody listening who is struggling with that? They're equating their specifically in their career, like their Mm -hmm. status, their Mm -hmm. worth with their body type right now. Well, one thing I've learned the hard way is if you attach something to you for your, for your identity, that is the biggest way to find misery, whether you attach a job title, whether you attach mm-hmm. your children's success, whether you attach your children's failures, whether you attach a divorce, whether you, att- if you attach anything like that you are, don't attach anything to who you are, like not your body type not that you're a marathon runner, like don't attach anything, but just like kindness, goodness, things like that. That's such a good nugget. And I literally just had a conversation with another former master trainer this week about that same thing. I think when, when Beachbody closed, we all went through this identity crisis a little bit. Right. And and that was part of the struggle was because so many of us attached our identity to what we did. There's the earlier the you title. Can learn, yeah. The earlier you can learn that you're young. You learned it at a good age. Good for you. <laughs> Thanks to you. <laughs> when I, um, when I, I forgot how old I was, but, um, my son got a full ride scholarship for football and we were like the proudest parents on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I identify with my D one athlete, you know, it was, <laughs> um, we dropped him off at college. We came home and my daughter told me she was pregnant and then she wasn't married. So how can you go from like, my son is this to my daughter is this. And then I realized, first of all, my daughter is a child of God. And I had such an epiphany that day that if I'm going to hitch my wagon to the good things that happen, I got to hitch my wagon to the bad things that happen. And why do I not hitch my wagon to anything? You know, just Mm -hmm. be a good human who loves and supports people and identify as that. Mm. That's it. Like I learned, I learned such the hard way. It was such a great lesson for me. I remember when Haley was pregnant, 
went to my, one of my friends and I was crying like Haley's pregnant. And he goes, is my old high school teacher. And he said, Oh my gosh. He goes, I was, I thought something was bad. I mean, if she was addicted to crack, we'd have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. What a point of, what a point of reference. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what a challenge to me to like, just get it together and understand that life is beautiful and out of ashes, beauty rises and don't, don't find your identity through anything, but through God and, you know, being a loving person. Like that's, mm. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> and what's so, I mean, you, your grandson, you guys have such a special bond too. Like, oh I think that's such a, just a, a lesson. Mm-hmm. So the saddest moment of my life was probably when she said she was pregnant because, and she was 24 at the time. She wasn't like, she wasn't super young. She wasn't like a teenage girl. It wasn't as hard as that, mm-hmm. but you know, it, we were raised in a conservative home where it's like, what? Mm-hmm. And I learned so much about the grace of God and learned so much about the church and my friends and people who did judge those who didn't judge. I, I was such mm-hmm. a, it was such a thing, but the beauty of the story is that I cried when she was pregnant. I was just so scared for her to be a single mom, mm-hmm. but that boy is the love of my life. Mm. He's the greatest thing. And now I have to share my love with the new one that's coming. And I know I <laughs> got to make some room. <laughs> I know when I had Haley, I thought I don't have another one. Cause I'll never love another. And then Hayden yeah. came along. And I loved him just as much. So I'm excited. To ha- I'm excited to like, love more. I'm just excited to love more, but it's funny how the yeah. hardest part of my life is the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Uh, such a, such a God thing. Isn't it though? Isn't yeah. it? It yeah, is. if you're still enough, like be still. If you're still enough to like under like to listen and be calm and um just don't go rip around through every day. Like mm-hmm. take a moment. And the pandemic has taught us all how to kind of, we were like, I was forced to take some moments. Like, yeah, we all were <laughs> for sure. So with that being said, where do you see like what trends do you see coming in the in the next year or so in terms mm-hmm. of like just wellness and um, this whole industry. Think, well, first of all, the hybrid model is here to stay. I think people get kind of panicky right now. The stock market about, you know, Peloton's a big thing. Like mm-hmm. the stock is dropping, but like people are going to work out at home and at a gym. There's mm-hmm. two, like, it's not going to go away now. It was here before. Now it's bigger. So yeah. that's still going to happen. I think that wearable technology, people are going to get smarter about their hydration and about their sleep and about their rest and their recovery. And we can take more ownership of our bodies and of our health and wellness, we, we can own more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, think about all the tests you can, you can do a blood test, send it off and find out what you're allergic to. Mm-hmm. Like we can own so much more of our health and wellness than we ever have before. But I, I always caution that with, but don't get obsessed. Yeah. Don't get obsessed. Yeah. I, I see part of it. Sh- I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think we might see part of it shift. I hope, I hope that mm-hmm. there's less of this, right. But I hope there's more of a shift, right. To looking at sleep or things, but yes. I hope there's other metrics or other things as far as that technology that allows us to focus on, but not get obsessed with right. Yeah. Less, less numbers yeah, more of those feeling other yep. types of metrics. Yeah, like you're like you're, you're what you slept well last night. You got enough REM sleep. You're, re, you're recovered. Mm-hmm. That information is good information because you can wake up feeling like crap, but your thing says you're recovered. Like, well, I'm recovered, so I'm ready to go. Like, it's <laughs> mental yeah. flip, you know. But right. I think that's going to be a big deal, and it's going to be. It's not just for the wealthy, and it's not just for the super tech savvy. It's for anybody. Mm-hmm. But I'm not into getting. I had like a Fitbit at one point, and I, you know, if you're if you're obsessed with numbers, like I can become obsessed with like the scale. Those things are not healthy for me because I would like walk around my house until I got to my. It's like. Stop it. 
It's mm-hmm. so dumb. So you have to know your triggers too. Like what tools make me better and what tools make me obsessive compulsive. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my friend Brian about that too, about like weighing my food. I said, I cannot keep measuring my food because I become obsessed with it. And it's not, I want to be able to visually see it and say, this is a good amount for me and training myself to do that. So I think, know your triggers, like use the tools, but then also if it's, it's, if it's not healthy, it's not a tool for you. Mm. You Mm. That's a good point. It's not healthy. It's not a good tool for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all know. I think we all know deep down when, or do you know for you, like, I don't have an Apple watch for that reason. Yeah. I was going to say, are you like, especially with the scale, like, were you able to catch yourself and go, okay, stop. Like, what was that moment for you? Um, well, it, it, the moment for me was when, um, if I would weigh myself and I weighed more than I thought I'd have a bad day, mm-hmm. I would have a bad week. I'd have, a, and I'd have, I'd be bad. And I would see myself, if you have a little dysmorphia, you see yourself different in the mirror as well. So if I think I weigh like 150, I I'm okay. If I, if I get on scale to 155, though my clothes still fit exactly the same. It's probably just something crazy. Like could be, who knows? I see myself differently in the mirror. Mm. I see myself differently. It's not, so I move different and I feel different and it's just not a healthy thing for me. And I, and I'm not, I used to be like being kind of like, I used to like make excuses. I'm like, no, it's just not a thing for me. Like it's not that it's, discipline that yeah. excuses of wild. Well, yeah. 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 It's not, it's not good. It's not for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think too, being empowered, regardless of what the trends say, you should make the choice to be empowered. Say that's not for me. That Apple watch is just not for me. I don't want to try to close my rings. I don't want to see my steps. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see my heart rate either, by the way. And I'm uh, kind of weird because I rev high genetically. Mm-hmm. I know. So like my heart rate's always high. So it's like, I don't want to know how high my heart rate is right now. I know it's high. It's like, it's genetically high. I rev uh, high. So for people listening, like, especially those who are very much gym goers, right. And, and yeah. into all the technology, right. It's exciting. They enjoy it. They find it interesting. That's not a bad thing, right. There's not a lot even. of these amazing tools out there, but know the trigger for you yep. and, and also be okay with going, you yep. know what, I'm going to go to this class and I'm not going to put in my information to have my heart rate on the screen, or I'm not going to wear the thing, or I'm just going to go and I'm going to have a good time. Yep. You know, what I realized I got to a healthy point and I'd go to CrossFit and then what they want you to put your time up there. I, yeah. They said, Barb, what's your time? I'm like, I had a good time. <laughs> I, I started doing that. Like listeners, you can steal that. You could just be like, <laughs> I, I got a, a great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just, I just found that I compete with myself. I want to move my body. And I just don't, um, even like if I run a race, I'm a middle child. I think middle child, middle children, we're fine being in the middle. Like I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I don't have to be first. Yeah, yeah. There's some great tools, but just know what triggers you like, know yeah. what it is. Yeah. Know the, know the triggers and give yourself permission to, if you're in a healthy place, right. Yeah. You can engage in those activities and recognize that a lot of this is not going away. Hopefully it's shifting, but a lot of it's still going to be there, but you can still show up and honor your boundaries, protect your energy, protect your space in those moments. Protect your energy. That's like, that's my mantra, like protect my energy. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what I do when I don't, when I don't weigh myself or when I don't know what my heart rate exactly is, you know, or how many calories I burn, like that's how I protect my energy. Like I've learned how to put, to build really nice, like nice hedges around certain things, mm-hmm. you know, that to, to protect myself. Yeah. And maybe that's how we start to see this industry change, right? As more people like you and I or listeners showing so. up in those spaces and and mm-hmm. knowing their personal boundaries and 
saying, nope, yes, nope, you know, and then maybe inspiring somebody else to go, oh, wait, I don't have to count how many rounds I did. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, don't, and don't get sucked into it, man. I think yeah. we need to empower each other. To, it's an option. And there's some good, it's a good option for some people. Like my little sister, she loves a good graph. Mm-hmm. She loves mm-hmm. a good Excel spreadsheet and she could put, she has an aura ring loaded all in there. Like she loves, she loves to see how it goes. Yeah. You know, that's, but if you're, it, that's her thing. It motivates her. It's, it's, she thrives in that environment mm-hmm. for me. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah. It's triggered. Well, this has been such a joy having you. And I feel like, again, we could talk for hours. We covered a lot. So many stories, so many, much we covered. Where do you like to hang out? A side note, Barbara's always sending me houses in like random Indiana, these beautiful, gorgeous historic homes. She's like, move to Bedford. I'm like, maybe that for that house, house, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I always say pack your bags. Yeah. Where do you, where do you like to hang out? Where can people find you? Um, at Instagram, I am Barb Brodowski at Instagram. That's probably the best way. Okay. We'll post the link and we'll tag you. Yeah. Thank you so Um, much for being here. Oh my God. It's been such a pleasure, Katie. It's been so much fun. And we've covered all the topics. So any other parting words of wisdom or just things that are on your heart, on your brain? Um, I think I covered all of it, Katie. It was like a brain dump on you. We went to cover everything. (laughs) Um, No, all I would say is to younger listeners, even to even, even to more seasons like myself, if you struggle with body image, body dysmorphia, or never quite happy, really getting into therapy and talking through it is the best way and do it sooner rather than later. Because you, if you're not happy with yourself, you're robbing your spouse, you're robbing your family of your best self. Mm-hmm. Like you're robbing, you're robbing your family. And especially if you're married or have, have a partner, like you're robbing your partner of really enjoying life together. Mm. Seriously, like that's my biggest takeaway is like the when I start it's to goosebumps. Like, yeah, when you love your body and you love yourself, then you're much more vulnerable and you're more open. And the sooner you learn that, the happier you'll be. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. hashtag okay. that. Mic drop. <laughs> it's been so much fun, Katie. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.